Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I sit down and uh, sort of build off a previous episode, episode 49, Shaping a Creative Life, and look at sort of the practical side of creativity and um, sort of the anxieties or as we, as David refers to them, walking through walls of fire to get to the other side. Um, If you are listening to this at the beginning of June, uh, our Kickstarter is set to end June 12th. Uh, You can go to kick.drcrpod.com to see about that. And please uh, share that link with others. Uh, If you're you're thinking about buying a book, now is the time to do it. Um, The link is in the show notes as well. Uh, But before we get into that... Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruined.com is a place to go. Uh, you can find other episodes of uh, Dispatches from the Verge and Road to Desert Rain at drcrpod.com or wherever you found this episode. Also, please tell a friend if you're enjoying what you hear. Uh, word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. David Morrison. Hola. Good morning. Here we are in, uh, morning. in Junio. Um, yeah, I don't know if these back-to-back podcasts are going to work. It's already kind of warm in here. <laughs> it is kind of warm in here. <laughs> um, okay, so about six months ago, we recorded a podcast that was then released in uh, February, I believe. And the name of that podcast uh, was Shaping a Creative Life. Hmm. And uh, during that podcast, we kind of, um, it, well, it was two things. It wasn't just creativity in general. It was specific to like your spiritual life. We kind of explored the mystics, um, hmm. explored our own personal relationship with creativity around our spiritual life you told the amazing uh reoccurring dream about the tiger oh yeah yeah. um, and sort of how that you know played out over over years and today i want to revisit this idea of creativity because now we're uh five months removed from that original recording um as many of you know david morrison is in the middle of a creative adventure publishing a haiku book of poetry around desert spirituality. And uh, it's been a little stressful the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, say, to put it mildly. And what I, wanted, what I would love to explore today with you is bec- we were sort of talking about creativity in an abstract way. Okay. For that podcast, and I would like to talk about creativity in a practical way. Okay. Today, sure. You know what I mean, and and um, we did get into some practicality stuff. It's you know we sort of towards the end of like by stepping into an authentic life, it that sort of precipitates an individual to become more creative. Um, 
and I guess I guess uh, the way you've put it to me a couple times is these walls of fire. Yeah. And having to like walk through them or like embrace them, engage them. And maybe, maybe for the, we'll start there. It's like in your, in your mind, what are, what do, what is this wall of fire within the uh, birthing a creative project? Yeah. And I, I, not just a creative project, I would say, engaging in anything in your life that's challenging doing something new right at least for me i don't know yeah, but no, yeah that, it's, that is a good that is yeah it is a broader thing than just creativity yeah. yeah so the wall of fire that i feel like i have to walk through is, is anxiety mm. with it so for example I, I started really noticing it when i started doing prison ministry years and years ago, uh, just this anxiety levels when I would be getting ready to go make the trip mm. to the prison right. and, and just this hope there's a lockdown tonight <laughs> so I get canceled. And and uh, and it's supposed to be, there, there's kind of the generational memes on this thing called the internet. I don't know if you've heard of the internet. The World Wide thing. Web? Yes, exactly. That, the information superhighway. <laughs> But there are like Gen X, it seems to be a Gen X thing. Uh, they hope uh, the social event gets canceled. Oh, gets canceled. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. And that rings very true to me. But me uh, too. Me too. I'm... So, this feeling of having to be on mm. in a social setting that's a wall of fire I have to walk through, or to, to be present, being prepared, preparing to be present to people that challenge you, uh, people who are. Uh, in a vulnerable state, mm-hmm. it's very, very difficult. You know, hospital, you visit someone in a hospital or mm. visit the dying in hospice. So a creative endeavor is the same thing. So there's these series of uh, these walls of fire that, that uh, a series of them, they have to walk through often. Uh, so, yeah, I, I see it as my anxiety. The anxiety of having to be vulnerable when you do something creative you're putting uh, something uh, of yourself out there right. to be scrutinized and and the world's not kind and it never will be right yeah you know the world is uh i mean there's there's the general apathy of the world mm-hmm. and then uh, and the universe <laughs> and then there's the hostility of it and then there's the star wars fan level of uh just absolute toxic <laughs> you know just evil uh petty <laughs> the amount of pettiness and hatred you know and it's like i've had to tell star wars fans you know it's just a space uh, it's just, uh, it's just space a space belief. western man what <laughs> relax it wasn't supposed to be good acting it was supposed to be campy that's right. what a western is you moron anyway <laughs> that's funny <laughs> go buy a toy and shut up <laughs> and don't don't attack all the star wars fans listening don't attack us yeah, no bring it the on original canon i realize <laughs> yeah, it's br- important bring it on you <laughs> bunch of religious freaks <laughs> um and yeah so uh and what why it came to mind for me this morning you know once again we're exposing all our show prep but uh you and i have kind of been alternating over the last couple months yeah around this uh anxiety stress and walking through something we've never done right you know some for me it's some of it has been in the i guess project management of the book and some of it has been a professional uh stuff i've had to walk through with my job um 
And so, uh, I know one of the big breakthroughs I had a few weeks ago is, is that for me personally, I have, when I've gotten very uncomfortable, I've, a lot of times in life, I avoid it. Yeah. There's been a couple big things that I've walked through as far as the uncomfortability and the, the wall of fire, but my go-to is to not face it and to avoid it at all costs, right? Oops. And um, I, I guess as you're going, as you're specific to the book, as you're going through this, what, what is your, what seems to be your go-to? Like, are you pretty good at walking through the fire? Like, do you have a way to approach it? Do you avoid it? You know, is there some avoidance similar to like what I experienced? Like what, what, how do you engage with it or, or not? Yeah, that's probably the same. There's good days and bad days. Mm. You know, there's times where it's just, yeah, get in your car and go to the thing. <laughs> Show up. <laughs> yeah, and so deadlines help me. Uh, you know, so I, I, I have a fear of disappointing people. Mm. And so, so that helps me, you know, all right, I got to do this for the sake of this person not being disappointed in me. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's something weird around deadlines because I, and for me, I've always wanted to be a good student. Yeah. And so like, you know, you had, you had to turn in the essay on this day, you have a test on this day. Yeah. And so like having those, uh, not self-imposed deadlines, because I can ignore when I give myself a deadline, it's like, "Ah, oh yeah, yeah. I don't care about impressing myself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Big deal. (laughs) Uh, and so going into this new endeavor specifically around the book, what, uh, what's been, what's been the, and maybe you haven't even walked through it yet, but what's sort of been the scariest thing? Um, cause as an observer, it seems like writing the actual haikus, you've actually gotten into like a really beautiful flow right, of yeah. that where you've embraced that. What, what's sort of the scary side of like, not part of the creative process that you're as excited or engaged with maybe today you know we're recording this june 4th for those listening so if you know if you're listening a year from now we might have a couple books in the world so this conversation might seem a little odd yeah right but being in the middle of you know this first one that we're trying to to reveal to the physical world yeah you know, what, what, what's the thing that's like in your face? Like, ah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> or I'm not going to do that uh, today. <laughs> probably before the right, before the writing started flowing, it was probably, uh, breaking out of the routine of previous writing patterns, mm. which was religious essays, sermons, oh. uh, breaking out of that kind of writing, you know, for a blog. What's the difference between the two? Um, for you anyways well poetry is a is an open landscape mm. and to a lot of people an open landscape is at first it can be a very scary thing because mm-hmm. there's because that means anything's possible and so that's that's poetry whereas a sermon you're crafting something for a very specific mm. group and uh, an audience that kind of thing and so it's it's very chiseled down and has very narrow boundaries so it's so it's a very uh, closed horizon, right? And so it's more you know it's kind of safer in that way. Okay. 
it depends on how how your mind works. Other people f- have claustrophobia, probably, and mm. uh, and so it, you know, I don't. I'm not a claustrophobic person, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Unless I'm on a bus or something, and the <laughs> temperature's a hundred degrees, <laughs> and somebody just opened a can of tuna fish, <laughs> so that you know, and someone's changing a, a baby's like, diaper. <laughs> I'm being oddly specific here. <laughs> so anyway, um. So there was that, and then another major boundary was uh, because I've read literature, uh, it's, it feels like it's all been said and done before already to mm-hmm. me. Like one example, in my 30s, I was very uh, in a period of very intense religious devotion, fasting and prayer, and in fact, I think it was 1999, if I remember right. I was because uh, you were partying. Well, because it was New Year's Day, that's why. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was sitting on a hill in the desert, and I was just meditating, you know, being all sage-like and religious. And I had this thought come to me, which was uh, at the crucifixion, when the, when the centurion uh, stabbed Jesus in the side, and it says in the Gospel of John that blood and water flowed. Mm-hmm. So I was meditating on that, and. And the thought that came to me was that uh, uh, that the bride of Christ, the church, was born from that open side. Wow. So a couple of years later, I'm reading. I started getting into the early church fathers, and, uh, and I was reading Augustine, and he said the exact same thing. And I was like, crap. <laughs> what, what is, <laughs> this MF said this in the third century. What the hell? I have nothing to say. Uh, there's nothing I could say, you know, and... And so, so there is the, there is that, and and then the the curse of comparing yourself to right. to others. I'm not so and so, so therefore, yeah. I'm not you know enough. It's that uh, like Brene Brown talks about. There's this sense of uh, I'm not enough. Mm. Uh, so so there's there's a lot of that. That's a major series of fires you have to walk through. Well, and that's interesting because one of the things you and I talked about, I guess yesterday was uh, the marketing for commercials and you said you had been looking at some of the some I don't you didn't say which ones but church websites oh yeah where this yeah. idea or you lay out the idea that you had observed from that yeah so the you know the the latest buzzword it's not that it's new but it's right, just it's course. just on the airwaves now yeah, yeah. on the internet's this thing called the interwebs uh in in American advertising, which I'm assuming is a an octopus that reaches its tentacles all over the entire world, um, more or less. And so it seems like their theme that they I don't know if they all get together like at a James Bond villain <laughs> lair and say yeah, called, this is going to be the next six months. It's called Davos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's this idea of being the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. You could be the best version of yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I forgot what I was I well, no, so, derailed there. No, no, that's right. So, there, you know, there, this idea is being projected in the world. And then that, so oh, then yeah, yeah, if yeah. You're the blockage of like, oh, I'm not good enough to produce this creative thing. Yeah, that's right. So, well, I was, being, yeah, it's almost being reinforced in a way. If yeah. The and marketing. He, and even in Christianity, popular Christianity. Yeah. So, there was a, a mega church that I looked up for another reason. I was looking up their website for, mm. for another reason. And uh, 
that's the whole theme of their church, being the best, except this time Jesus will help you be mm-hmm. the best version of yourself. And that sounds like an innocent message in and of itself. Um, you know, it's hard to argue with that, but it, it just doesn't ring that true to me. Well, and there's a weird, I, I wouldn't even call it a tightrope, but there's this weird idea of like striving to improve, but it, at least I can't speak for the church side. I can speak for the like the marketing side, right? Yeah. But if if it's like, uh, well, you can't be, you can't. That striving doesn't matter if you don't buy this product, right? Or take these, you know, have these things in your life, or yeah. you know what I mean, or like whatever it might, whatever you know, whatever the product is. Um, there's a there's a dark side. Yeah, to that's... it where it's like uh, where it becomes toxic and and. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say deadly because I think that's overstating it, but but uh, it's not actually helping you in striving to become a better human being. Yeah, it has very little to do with Christ or spirituality, mm. is, is what I'm saying. It has a lot to do with life improvement yeah. and, the, and the American dream and suburban dreams uh, and all that. Good luck. Uh, and maybe a lot, most people probably have to run the course of that anyway, mm. I guess, until it fails them. And, uh, because there aren't any other versions of yourself. This is the version right now, here and now, and that's what, and whatever this version is. Uh, I don't even want to say this version because there's only one. Mm-hmm. It's you. You in this moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's you know even in fitness, uh, I'll love myself. They're, you know they don't say it this, but that's what they're saying. I'll love myself. Uh, I'm not worthy of love until mm-hmm. I'm 15 pounds lighter, 20 pounds lighter, 100 pounds lighter. Well, at what point are you, why not start right now at mm-hmm. your overweight self and love that person? Because that's the only person you are right now. Yeah. Uh, and love that person and see where you would get to. Uh, well, it's, it's because, too, it's not, if you don't start from that point, you start from the point of love. Um, the other endeavor, not necessarily fruitless because it could release something within you yeah but there's something transformative about loving yourself with all the warts all the scars because i actually yeah i actually heard a really interesting and it aligns up with this so um a gentleman released a book he was like 340 pounds not doing well and lost i don't remember 120 pounds all right. And got down to like a, a a weight that he was more comfortable with. The best version of himself. Yeah. yeah. And then while he's writing this book about his transformation, the pandemic hit, his father passed away, like all these like things happened and he right. gained all the weight back. See, I and, want to read the next and, book. <laughs> no, he puts it in this book. Oh, all right. Because he, okay. the publishers came to him and said, like, so when's this book going to be done? He's like, well... There's a part two. The problem is <laughs> I've gained all the fucking weight back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like he really, I, I haven't read the book, but from the interview I was listening to, he delves into this idea of loving who you are today. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and he might not use those specific words. You know, he's a sports writer, so um, it's probably framed a little bit differently than that. Right. But um, Making but, friends with yourself. Yeah, you know basically looking at what you're saying is like uh 
he's not trying to sell this, you know, you got to lose 120 pounds. He's like, there yeah. was a deeper story that came out of right. it. Or not even story because he, it's his life. It's a, a deeper experience. Right. He was able to experience with himself. Um, you know, and the interview was just really beautiful because you don't, that's, you don't expect the story to go that way. No. Right? Where he like, gains, not, yeah. as he's writing the book, he gains it all back. Yeah. Cause on the <laughs> Fitbit social media thing and on Instagram and Facebook, no one posts the bare mid, uh, what is it? The mid drift, bare mid drift no. picture of themselves gaining 15 pounds. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. look at me. And then everyone treats it like a character issue. You're such a good person. <laughs> You're right. so great. You know, and that kind of thing. And it's like, no. Uh, and their poor kids and, and uh, loved ones are like, I wish they'd start eating some Twinkies again because <laughs> they're just a bitch to be around <laughs> when they're chomping on celery. So, um, so, yeah, so for me in the creative process, yeah. it was these are the only poems I have. And they may have been said before, uh, but I'm not Basho. <laughs> I'm not, uh, you know, some haiku. Uh, sage from from you know centuries before uh, i'm just me mm -hmm. and this is what i have and so just get it out there so that was that was a major internal fire that i had to walk through well and as um you know I, i've uh it might be it might sound like i'm overstating it but it's kind of been a gift uh watching you sort of because i remember when we first sat down in January, I think we said it was like five new haikus a week or something. You know what I mean? We yeah. set some, some number that. Yeah, it was five a week. Okay. And yeah, it was the first week of January. Yeah. And new year, new you. Am I right? <laughs> um, but as we got into February and March, it, you'd come and you'd be like, yeah, we're 30 haikus this week. <laughs> or what a haiku. Uh, whatever the number was, right? It was way more than five. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like you were waking up each morning and being like, I got to write 10 haiku today. No, they no. Were just, they just said, started like, birth, you know, jumping out of you. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like I'd go for a little, go outside for a few minutes and harvest them. That's what it felt like. Uh, go, yeah. go pick them up off the ground. That kind of thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, now we're at almost 700 of them. And so that's the new fire that I have to walk through. And uh, having people look at it, that, that's a major fire. So to have uh, two published authors look at it mm. uh, and people that I respect editing it, looking at it, uh, that's, that's a different fire because now you're being scrutinized mm. and open to criticism. Uh, and, so, uh, and so, yeah, so like I, I had a... 90-minute session with the author of the, the poem, uh, Sometimes a Wild God, uh, Tom Hirons. And, uh, and so, he, you know, we, I opened up the session with, I've got this bramble of brush that's just so overgrown now of poetry. I don't know what to do with it now, you know. And, and even he was looking through it on the screen and was like, yeah, these don't need editing. They, you just need to choose which ones sing to you. And, uh, and so that's a daunting task at this point, you know. Mm -hmm. to, so now uh, in writing too many. And uh, so it's the haunting words of my journalism and newspaper teacher in high school all the way back, you know, 
since the I don't know I graduated in the early forties uh, <laughs> before I went off to the war. Eighteen forties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Civil War. <laughs> I looked good in blue. <laughs> and I, Thank God. And I have a, a deep hatred for Confederacy, so. Once they, again, so thank, they and I was God. and I was short enough where they would stuff me in a cannon and fire me at the rebels with a, with just a hard helmet on. <laughs> oh no no, this is the eighteen sixties. You didn't even get a helmet. <laughs> no helmet. No helmet, sir. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So uh, yeah, and his saying uh, back in those days was, "It's not a, it's not about the writing. It's about the rewriting." Mm. And I just I I'm lazy. I think I'm on the spectrum, like most people, of ADHD, uh, not diagnosed, so I don't mean to minimize people that, that are deeply on that spectrum right, and course. have a really severe issue. But I think I, I have just as much of a deficit of attention as our age does. Mm -hmm. I think the internet does that because of the way it's structured. It doesn't hurt uh, it. <laughs> yeah, well, you're reading an article and how many links, we used to call them hyperlinks back yeah. in the day, but how many links are in one basic article? And so you start clicking all those and you're down all of those rabbit trails. Or another example. Uh, and it's trained my brain since my 20s, you know. Another example is just scrolling through the headlines. Right, So yeah. you're just reading the headlines. Yeah, you're, then, yeah, you're scrolling all the time. You know, two weeks later, you're in a conversation. You're like, oh, yes, X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, where did you read that? And it's like. Well, I just read the headline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Greg, Greg and I was had a great conversation about that. <laughs> and at the end of the conversation, we realized we both just read the yeah. headline. And, we moved, and then we just were like, okay, and moved on to something else. Yeah. And I'm like, well, and they, yeah, if you push me further, well, it was a kid on Reddit. <laughs> a 16-year-old on Reddit. It was his comment, and it sounded real. sounded true to <laughs> or, me. For me, it's a meme on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So yeah, so I, you know, I, I was an early adopter of the internet in my early twenties, and so a Gen Xer, and so it's trained my mm -hmm. brain or rewired my brain that way, uh, you know. And so I forgot where I was heading with that. Well, you were talking uh, about uh, oh rewrite, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to put it out there and be. I thought you know that's good enough, and then you know, and then we had, you know, none of we have zero experience at publishing books. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, that's an under, we probably have negative. Yeah, it's in the negative <laughs> integers, you know. Well, we know a couple of people who have published yeah, books, exactly. so yeah. there's that. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, we're probably at zero. <laughs> yeah, it probably zeroes it out. Because we're willing to ask questions. We're at yeah. least willing to put ourselves out there and be like, hey, we don't know what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, we're a bunch of dumbasses and <laughs> we don't know what us? we're doing. Uh, Which I think, so that, to that point, that is what brought us to, or not brought us, but, you know, brought you to this idea of rewriting, editing, and the importance of it. Right, yeah. Having so these conversations with people that have published. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the wall of fire now. So, mm -hmm. so our, our good friend Abby Clausen uh, and, and also uh, Tom Hirons, you know, basically saying, look at the poetry again, which is, that's a fire for me. Mm -hmm. That's a wall of fire. I don't want to look at these things again. I just wanted to write them down and leave them. And move on. Move uh, on. Yeah. And see how they talk to each other mm. and see what kind of theme is developing. And even Abby specifically said that to us that day. She said, this is really part of your inner work, your soul work, really. It has a lot to do. So, so yeah, so this writing process is really any creative process that anybody out there might be engaged with. It's really just an extension 
of your soul work. And that's why it's difficult. That's amazing because uh, I just, you know, an hour ago was recording a podcast with David Riefenberg. Right. And that was one of the things we got into. He was talking about how music, in his experience, right, because he's a musician. Right. How that, for him, but also for those around him, how music had... There's certain there's certain layers that a sermon can't touch, but right. art art can exactly whether it's it's a drawing, a painting, music, poetry like that. It, those artistic expressions, when it comes to the 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 soul and the uh, experience of God, touches places that a, a the most beautiful sermon that just nails whatever the point is, still can't reach for right. whatever reason. And so that, that's amazing that, that for you, this editing process has uh, bubbled that up to the surface. Yeah, because nobody likes scrutiny. Yeah, I don't. Well, some people, I guess like Angela from The Office said she likes to be judged. <laughs> <laughs> so there, I have met people like that, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just... One, I'm lazy, uh, mm. so it's just I don't want to do the scrutiny. Uh, two, I'm a Gen Xer, so I, I'm used to shrugging my shoulders and saying, nothing's going to change anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, the world's burning. You just noticed, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, three, it could be painful. It's yeah. painful, especially if you, for me anyway. I'm, I'm suspecting it's the same for most people. When you scrutinize your life, you have to look at people that you've hurt. And that's extremely painful to do that. That that to me, that's the most painful thing in life is that uh, that I've caused pain to others, hurt others. Uh, very very painful realization. Well, and also in that process, you also have to, if you're being fully honest, right, with that scrutiny, the pain and suffering you've caused yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and and, and the decisions you've made that were. Uh, if you go back, so my recommendation uh, would, in sort of, uh, it's not a series, but uh, shaping a creative life. The podcast we already did. Mm, one yeah. of the one of the themes we got deep into was this idea of authenticity. Mm. So these moments where we're not true to ourselves, right? Yeah. Not authentic towards, even though we know, you know, we see the three choices and like our inner soul is like, oh yeah, you need to go with A. That's who you are. Yeah. But because of whatever the marketers are selling us or the church is selling us or, you yeah. know, uh, peers maybe that, um, whatever, we, we take choice C instead right? yeah, and, yeah. and wrestle with that. And maybe, you know, maybe that's part of the bigger journey anyways. Um, but there is something about not staying true to that authenticity that you feel in your bones. Yeah. And it takes a long time. To find that. Um, so I, I guess, uh, and, and this is just, I have no idea. This is just a thought experiment. But through this sort of um, stepping into that, that place of editing, stepping into that place of sharing your work with people uh, that are helping you edit, giving you ideas, um, what has that brought up for you, being able to, to sort of open up to that vulnerability? Like how so? Like clarify well, that. So we're we're talking about this like uh, this spiritual inner work, right? Right. And so what I, I guess the 
you know, you're, you're all, we're only a few weeks into the editing process, right? But just maybe something that has, has occurred to you or, or um, seems oh, to be emerging that maybe that yeah. wasn't predictable, right? That yeah. kind of came out of left field or, um, you know. Yeah, usually in that process, it's, it's not unpredictable. It's something that you forgot mm. that you knew all along and, it, mm-hmm. and it, you get reminded. And so with my session with Mr. Hirons, it was, uh, uh, he said, you got to allow yourself a lot of grace. And so, because I was thinking, all right, so you divide the book up into four parts. Uh, then each poem has to be literally <laughs> tied to that part, whatever that theme is. Yeah. And he was, he was like, dude, you got to chill out in his UK uh, polite way. Of course, yeah, yeah. His <laughs> cool accent and his polite yeah, way. <laughs> he did, I did let my Americanism uh, out when he said, uh, he said he wants to do sometime in the future, uh, sometimes a wild god tour in America. And I said, that would be awesome. <laughs> I became Chris Farley in that moment. That would be awesome. And he was like, you are an American, aren't you? You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, I got the McDonald's to prove it <laughs> while I'm drinking my Starbucks. Yeah, you got your Starbucks and your McDonald's fries. <laughs> while I'm shopping on Amazon, talking to you. Uh, anyway, yeah, so because spiritually speaking, I've always uh, that's always the answer. You break through into grace every time. You break through into grace. And so in a creative process, you know, I think it was Brene Brown in her research with vulnerability. Uh, I think she found that most people at the middle school level uh, stop doing artwork, for example, mm, yeah. because they get uh, torn up by peers and yeah. even teachers. Uh, you know, a lot of teachers don't belong at that middle school level. Uh, well, a lot of teachers they, don't belong at any of well, them. Yeah, but, but. Yeah, yeah, I've actually met teachers. They should not have been around children. Yeah. And I don't mean, you know, because they were predators alone. Right. But they just weren't. They were toxic human beings and crushing souls for yeah. a living. That's just pretty well, horrible. Well, probably they hadn't done the inner work. No, themselves. absolutely not. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, yeah, so there's this sense of where you come of age, usually 12, 13, or 14, where... Uh, you're, you you can't afford to to expose your inner life to others, mm-hmm. you know, and and the ego has to take over at that point, uh, or does take over. I don't know if it has to. In some cases, it does. And the ego is kind of a a bodyguard, if you will, a soul guard right. that protects yeah, your yeah, inner right. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the problem is is that you end up thinking your ego is you. Mm-hmm. And, and your accomplishments and your failures and your successes and it, and it's none of that. You and over so, identify with everything. Exactly. Yeah. And so then you're, you become a lost soul and you have to, you know, have an awakening, you know? Well, and it's interesting too, because I know you and I have talked about it and I don't think I've shared about it uh, on the podcast, but I, I've been like brainstorming ideas for like, side podcast solo you know what i mean solo yeah. podcast whether it's like you know i've thought about like recovery sports you know and i'll get real enthusiastic about it and start down sort of a thought like framing it in my mind yeah and it's interesting because 
that how I, I remember feeling in middle school, that sort of insecurity, the, the judgment, the, you know, what are, what are yeah. my peers going to say? We'll start bubbling up. And, and so I just kicked the can. It's like, well, I'll do it. We'll look at this next week. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting how those old things will bubble yeah. up. I've yeah. seen kids. Yeah. They quit the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't been recognized as the best immediately. I've, I've seen kids go up against that. Yep. If I can't be recognized as the best immediately, then it's not worth trying at, at mm-hmm. from the beginning. Uh, I just remembered I, you know, a few weeks ago in this struggle, I had a, a it was in a dreamlike state. Uh, the specifics of the dream, I, I don't remember, but it was the, the words that came, but it was about this writing, especially writing haiku being a, uh, as far away from Japan as you can get, right? That's you know, funny, what, yeah. And what does the desert have to do with Japanese literary history? You know, and the Japanese uh, adopted the haiku form from the Chinese. Mm. Uh, and you know, uh, if, if I say they perfected it, then will the Chinese government ban us from well, I, all I media? Doubt, or something? I highly <laughs> doubt anyone in China is listening to <laughs> us, us here from. Broadcasting live from Chaparral, <laughs> so, New Mexico. So the Chinese invented it, uh, and and yeah, and the Japanese adopted it and mm-hmm. and, and chiseled and chiseled it. it into that three the three line mm-hmm. thing that we have today. So here's this you know schlub from nowhere at the back end of a desert in somewhere in north not even the good parts of North America just the <laughs> you know the the just the the back end of a desert yeah. right yeah yeah. Uh, and so, so there was this dream. In the dream, it was this voice that I heard that said, uh, if you claim you're in the tradition, which was the haiku tradition, or any literary tradition, but you can expand that to any spiritual tradition or any belonging system, if you claim that you are a part of the tradition, they will call you an abomination to it. Mm. But if you are trying to do something new outside of that tradition, They'll uh, they'll claim you as unoriginal, and so you. In other words, you can't win. Mm. So you may as well go do the thing that you need to do. Well, and the thing. So it's it's kind of the opposite. It's the other side of that coin. I think if you're thinking of like uh, both and thought process, but like in recovery, there's a tradition that says the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. Yeah. So it doesn't say you have to be sober that day. It doesn't say mm. you have to, you know what I mean? There, right. the, you can put, as long as I show up and say, yeah, I have a desire to stop drinking. I'm a part of the group. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so as you were sort of like, and then, you, you know, you kind of went the other way, but it's like, if you, if you say you're part of the haiku tradition, if you say these poems yeah. I'm introducing into the world are part of the haiku tradition, well, there you go. You know, you're, you're, you have membership then, but, yeah. that, but that doesn't mean the scrutiny won't show up. Right. Right. Yeah. There's going to be the, the religious experts. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm in the, so if I claim I'm in the Christian tradition, then the, there are those that will say I'm an abomination mm-hmm. to it. If I say I'm not in the Christian tradition, then there are those that'll say he's just making up stuff and it's uh, unoriginal and, you know, and so, so in, in other words, you're going to get dismissed. Well, and even in By recovery, the there's some people that would say if you're if you've been drinking that day, you shouldn't talk at a meeting. 
Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? But, but that's not part of the rules or no. the regulations. If, if you're drunk and you have a desire to stop drinking, then, you know. Yeah. You know, at least for me, it's like, yeah, go ahead. Say, yeah. you know, say what's on your, you know. Now, if you're trying to hijack it and speak for the entire hour, then. Right, right. But it's like. That's another know, issue. Sober people do that. Yeah. <laughs> more often. More often. Long-term sober people yeah. do that more often. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so that that's that that's amazing. This uh, to have that epiphany. Yeah, because so it was just like you may as well because the problem is you're still here. So they've called you an abomination and they've called you unoriginal. They won't let you. They won't accept you in the tradition of whatever that is. The group. It could be your local. It could be your own family. They won't accept you in it, and they won't accept your legitimacy outside of it either. Mm. And so you have to uh, completely dismiss from that and say, I'm still here. I still have identity. I still have some expression. Whatever the beauty is that's uh, divine beauty that is available that wants to express itself through me is still there. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And, and, you, and you have to just completely detach from the rest of that. Oh, but I won't get invited to this or that. Yeah, no, you won't. Well, and it too, if you don't create it, you're not going to get invited to those things either. Yeah. You know, so if you don't even do this. Yeah, thing, exactly. Me, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about. It was in the, the context of this idea of creating something. But, oh, I know what it was. It was, I was talking about, um, we were, I, just how far we've come since January. Yeah, you know, and I was sharing about you know back in January, I was like, ah, we'll probably peter out at some point, and now we're we're going as strong as ever, right? Yeah, and there was something in me hoping we would just kind of peter <laughs> out and move on to some other project, and but this idea of for me, anyways, I don't I don't know if you relate to this, but this idea of self sabotage. Yeah, like, I've yeah, started absolutely. a lot of things in my life, um, and I've not finished many things in my yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, and not that we finished this, you know, so it's like. Don't jinx it, Dorian. But but, you know, in January I could much easier see me self sabotaging, you know, just becoming indifferent about it. Yeah. Whereas now, fast forward five or six months, the same, uh, not the same. It's it's ebbed and flowed, but enthusiasm and excitement around the project is still there, and it's like I. I actually can't see myself self-sabotaging it at this point because that enthusiasm, it's similar to this podcast. I enjoy getting up each Saturday. Well, I mean, we don't record every single Saturday, but when yeah. I wake up in the morning and we're recording on a Saturday, yeah. I'm actually pretty excited about the conversation that's, the unknown conversation that's about to happen. Right. You know, and some, you know, sometimes we get done and, and some people might say often, <laughs> and the conversation's not good, you know what yeah. I mean? But it was, I still woke up that morning excited to do the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know where, where I was going with all that rambling. Well, it's, it's allowing any creative project to take on the life of its own. Uh, you know, so, so let's say you're writing, let it, you know, you got to let it take its course and it might become something completely different. So a conversation is the same thing, mm -hmm. a trip. It's the same thing, uh, you know, a piece of visual art or music. Uh, you don't know what's going to be yeah. pulled out of, the, yeah. out of the ether, as they would say. 
when 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 uh Stephen is it Stephen Pressfield? He's a a writer. He has a book called the the War of Art, and he talks about the muse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of that that dancing with the muse, but it you know translates to this idea of the ether as well. Well, it's a fancy. It's a fancy metaphor for uh, the what Irish novelists would call whiskey, so, <laughs> or American novelists too. I was gonna say there's some, there's some Americans that have uh, indulged themselves. Yeah, they to like get their there. liquor too. <laughs> what the, the Greeks call the a... muse, Americans and the Irish call Jameson. Booze. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, 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 I guess. Sort of, uh, so we talked about, you know, sort of the, this wall of fire, present day, kind of how you're engaging with that, with the creative process, walking through these anxieties. And I guess, um, as sort of a looking forward perspective, you know what I mean? What, 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 what do you see on the horizon? You know, I, I realize it's like, you know, stay where your feet are, stay where your feet are. But for you, what, what's sort of on the horizon that seems exciting or uh, scary or, or um, you know, whatever, whatever it is? Uh, and I, I think it expands out to whatever you're, anyone's doing spiritually too. So to announce yourself as an artist or announce yourself as a musician or a monk or a Christian, or a Buddhist, or whatever your your thing is, uh, that could be a that could be a very terrifying thing, you know. So I tried it for the first time, really, and because uh, the had an appointment with the cardiologist, and uh, and he kept pressing me, "What do you do for a living?" And I, you know, I, I you know, he's he's a very intimidating presence, so yeah, I'm not going to say we, we've covered his yeah. his personality. His, his personality is well documented on <laughs> yeah, this podcast, exactly. <laughs> And so it's not like I'm going to go to my go-to, which would be, uh, ah, I'm a song and dance man, because yeah, that's yeah. what I usually tell people. Uh, and so I told him, well, I'm writing a book. And there was no <laughs> response, no registration on his face whatsoever. And he was done. <laughs> Stop pressing. Yeah, he was done. And so I was like, all right, that went well. <laughs> was that this most recent? Yes, yeah. <laughs> And I've been terrified to tell anybody that. Yeah. I'm terrified to send anybody an email. Please buy my book. Uh, well, and I have I, to have you and my wife do it. I was going to yeah. say, can we expose how that happened? Yeah. That's, <laughs> Marcia and you are the ones Marcia that have to and I do were it. sending emails this week. And there's probably some secret people out there that are helping me out because they know. Uh, and just, you know, it's a very terrifying thing to yeah. do that. And, um, and it was the same thing all those years, saying you're a pastor, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, I had a church of 300, 400 people, and I still was embarrassed to tell people. Interesting. Uh, uh, for whatever reason, you right. know. And so, and then, yeah, and then transitioning to a monk, uh, telling people you're a monk, yeah, you know, it's, well, I, I've, so I've, it's I've a wrestled, vulnerable experience. I've wrestled with that one, because I do, I, you know, depending on the conversation, I'll tell people I'm a desert monk. Yeah. And then it kind of gets weird because then people are like, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I'm learning. (laughs) 
And it happened, I think I've said it before, when I was a younger pastor in my 30s and I was teaching uh, middle school and high school. And, and I, I'm still me, you know, right. so I'm very irreverent. Uh, I might have a, an issue with some salty language from time to time. Uh, one, once in uh, off-putting jokes, uh, a penchant for awkward feeling comedy and all that. And so, so you know, uh, sometimes a student would, would yell out, you know, Oh my God, Mister! You said you were a pastor. <laughs> You're supposed to be like a man of God or something like that. And then I would, and so one time I said, I didn't say I was a good pastor. <laughs> I didn't say I was good at it. And it just kind of released that tension within myself. Just uh, all I can do is be who I am now, yeah. uh, and not try to double down on it either. Right. I've done that, and so that's that's called artificial authenticity. Mm -hmm. uh, but just simply be. Because that's what the desert is. It just is what it is. Yeah. Uh, we we joked about that the other day when we were talking about that living your being your best life or living your best yeah. life. Like, there's not a lot of room for that out in the desert. Um, no, because it's like uh, just survival. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to live a life. Yeah, in the desert is one thing, you know, and and so it it strips away. Or the, I think you said the 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 editor, Mr. Hurons. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he said something to the extent of, it sounds like the desert strips away a lot of the bullshit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's Because he's writing from uh, what he calls a bog perspective, mm. which is, you know, in the, in the UK and England, the, you know, the forest kind of area where everything's alive. Mm -hmm. Even the fungus is above ground, you know, and right. everything is rich with life and there's, it's almost overkill of the senses, you yeah. know. Here it's, you know, you know, a jackrabbit out here. There's this rabbit called a jackrabbit. It's not the cute bunny that you usually see. Right, yeah. It's not a cottontail. Terrifying looking. Creature. Yeah, it's a. If you look at his face, it looks like Picasso drew it. It's just this abstract face. Gigantic ears. One, one, one time I was standing in direct sunlight, and and so it was blinding. Mm -hmm. So this jackrabbit didn't see me, and he went right up to my feet on accident. Right. So I got a good look at his face. And I was like, is that a nose? What is anyway? And these animals, uh, the difference between them and, and uh, other regular bunny rabbits is that regular bunny rabbits, when they're born, they're blind, mm -hmm. like, like most mammals, and they, and they nurse their mothers nurse them uh, until they're able to, you know, a couple of, I guess, a month or so. Yeah. And but a jackrabbit is uh, born immediately running, drops down. Oh, wow. Its eyesight is already intact, and the mom says, get the hell out of here. Later. <laughs> yeah. Gets evicted from the womb immediately and Good is luck. an adult. And I, and I think, yeah, so I forget where I was going with that. But We're that's, talking about the desert. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what's demanded of you, you know. So anyway. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful stuff, man. We, we have a little bit of time, so I don't, you know, I, I usually like to wrap up just with the question, like, is there anything else on your your heart and soul this morning that you'd, you'd like to, to share with the listeners? Well, it's, I'm just thinking about tomorrow is Pentecost Sunday. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, find the fire in your life. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and, yeah, bring that fire into your life, into the world. Yeah, Paul's letter to the Romans says that we don't even know how to pray. That's That's the prerequisite to prayer is we don't even know how to pray. Yeah. And so the spirit herself 
offers prayers through us with groans and utterances that are too deep for words and sheds that love of God abroad in your heart. What, what an amazing experience to live that way. Yeah. And That's it, the and Pentecostal it, experience. One, it, it ripples out, too, to what we're talking about with music, poetry, art, um, these, these artistic expressions that touch the divine, allow us to experience the divine yeah. in us, that, that uh, words and um, sermons and having the quote-unquote right answers yeah. don't touch. Exactly. So, uh, beautiful, man. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I've been saying it, so I'm going to say it here as we close out. Um, poet, author, <laughs> David Morrison. Making me blush. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> appreciate you. Uh, and I think I'm, I think I'm going to release this episode this coming Tuesday, so in two or three days from now. So if you're hearing this, uh, our Kickstarter's still up. Uh, you can go to kick.drcrpod.com, and it'll take you to the Kickstarter. Uh, for other episodes, drcrpod.com. Um, without the kick in front of it, we'll take you there. Uh, if you want to read... David's prayers and musings, theruined.com. Uh, you can also find out just about Desert Rain in general, the community. And uh, of course, what you hear in the background, Monk Drums. Uh, since we're saying all the websites, monkdrums.com. We'll get you there uh, to see different models and if you feel called to order one. And uh, yeah, we just, we love you and appreciate you and, and thank for all. Thank you for all the support in and around the book over the yeah. last uh, two months. So appreciative. Thank you.